Hello, and welcome to the Weird Waves podcast. My name is Taylor, and this is episode 48. On this week's episode, we are talking to who we will call Anonymous Army. This is pretty interesting. We got a random email after um, posting the Jonathan Wayne Freeman episode from a guy who super was interested in that podcast and wanted some advice about starting his own blog. And turns out he was a super interesting guy himself. So this is a really interesting episode. It's kind of different from anything that we've ever done. It's a really good look at somebody who has lived that surf life, but worked a nine to five job. So it's really interesting to see how surfing has played a role in his life while working that quote unquote regular type of desk job. And also we hear about is his desk job really a desk job? Does he work for the government? What type of stuff is he doing? It's just really interesting. And these type of interviews is exactly why I do the podcast. You never know who you're going to meet. You never know who's going to find the podcast. And for me, this was just an absolute treat. So I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, I'm at home right now. Um, so Wednesdays, I telework. That's like the the schedule that we have at our office, um, it's like staggered. Like I, I probably telework the least of everybody else. <laughs> I opted to stay at home. Um, or excuse me, I opted to stay in the office more just cause I can't get anything done at home. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be a common theme right now is that people that thought they hated the office are realizing that they didn't actually hate the office that much. <laughs> yeah. I get like, I get so distracted. We have a relatively newborn. Um, he's like eight. I think he turns eight today, like eight months today. Um, but he's a good kid. But I mean, you know, my wife could use a hand here and there, and she pretty much works from home. And there's always stuff to do in the house, so it's just constantly getting distracted. And I'm not like I'm not very studious. It's hard for me to sit and do stuff anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, add in all the distractions. What do you do for work? What is your line so, of work? So I'm a network engineer. Um, I started as like a like on the contract that I work now with our customer. Um, I started as like a field tech, like a glorified field tech, and I made my way up to like junior engineer. You know, like designing and building things. Um, and now I'm I'm you know tied to an office chair which sucks but i worked in the i worked in the field for like 10 years so we would design and build networks you know like local area networks we'd um you know to go up and down the eastern seaboard and you know all over the country plugging everyone into this network that they wanted access to you know network like like internet or like more like an intranet you know, it's, okay. um, it's like a closed loop network that only they have access to. So it doesn't, it doesn't even really touch the internet. It's its own. Yeah. Yeah. It goes to a cloud, like everything. Uh-huh. It's, it's untouched by everything else. So. Weird. Who use, so is it like businesses and stuff that are using it? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, like a very specific, um, business sect. Okay. Um, that, Cause it that, sounds super like. Yeah. I know. Like, like sci-fi kind of. Yeah, it sounds shady as hell. I like actually when I was in Michigan, um, uh, for work, I don't know, maybe four years ago or something like that. This dude just kept probing, 
you know, and I was giving him, I was giving him some pretty good details. Like, dude, it's really not that interesting, but if you want to know, and I started getting into it, he was like, man, this is some weird CIA shit, man. I'm, I'm, I'm sure like you work for the guy. I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing that for, um, I guess since 2008. So like 12 years now, almost 13 years. Yeah. I've been in the game a while. I can't. As much as I'd like to leave, I'm too deep. <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather be doing something cool that allowed for more time, you know. Well, it's, but it sounds like it's at least a moderately flexible job. It used to be super flexible. I mean, um, when I had, you know, when I traveled, I'd kind of make my own schedule. And it was like roughly one week on, one week off. So one week I was home, one week I was in the field. Um it, there was more flexibility there. And what, what I kind of got to capitalize on is when I, you know, go out in the field for a week or, you know, sometimes longer, you know, I'd get to, I'd get to do some cool stuff. You know, I, if I was in Southern California, well, I'd go skim or surf. Yeah. If I was in Northeast or Southeast or whatever. And there's a beach and, you know, I'm going to be hitting that up. Uh, I've been to Colorado, Idaho, Wyoming. It's like all the hot spots for, for snowboarding. You know, I'm, I'm an opportunist. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. No, I've said it on the podcast multiple times and I'll say it again, is that I have this belief that surfers are either like extremely, they, they take these like jobs that are flexible on purpose. Right. Yeah. And then they're either super entrepreneurial or yeah. like living in their van, which I both know. are, well, both are fine. Both yeah. are totally fine. But it's funny. I haven't met a lot of people that are like living in the middle. You know, I really, yeah. truly haven't. It's either someone's like working their nine to five and hustling a bunch of other stuff on the side so that they can build something so that they have more time to serve. Yeah. Or well, they've just kind of been like, well, all I need is my van, which is also fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I actually, um, I actually jotted that down like after you and I talked and you're like, you know, Hey, do you want to do this? I, I, I watched JW Freeman's interview with you like probably twice or mm-hmm. was it Eric Taylor? You might've said that in Eric Taylor's, but in any case, um, I was like, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of like, I don't, when I go out, mm-hmm. I don't meet anybody that's like me, you know, like, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not a local anywhere, but because I live, I live in DC and we're like two and a half hours away from like the closest beach, but, um, Delaware is like my home break. Okay. You know, like Southern Delaware. And, you know, I got a handful of guys there that I'm friends with that I could crash with, you know, that we've, we've known each other through the years. So they treat me like a local, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I go there and, you know, I meet friends of friends and stuff like that. And they're like, you know, what do you do? You must work in construction or you know, something like that. And I tell them what I do. They're like, that's weird. <laughs> you know? And even when I talk to like coworkers or if I go to a site and I'm, you know, just telling them what I'm doing and, you know, what are you doing while you're in Southern California? I was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to seal beach and like, you know, skim for four hours before I come in the office. And, yeah. What? <laughs> are you, yeah. are you from here? No, I'm not from here. <laughs> so there's, I don't meet a lot of people like similar to that you know there you're right though there's not there's not many there's a few but there's not many people in the middle it's just interesting um that's something that i've worked had to work on 
being in the hair industry because mm-hmm. it's so like Botox and the like everyone's yeah. wearing black and very like this thing yeah. and then you know me the same way like I want to wake up and surf before work and then I you know go to work and do my hair at work and or I just wear it because it looks good after the water you know oh. the girls <laughs> salt water <laughs> yeah and the girls look at you like you know like an alien person you know and then on the flip side it's like you know surfer clients are also kind of like don't fully get the it's been interesting blend, like trying to blend the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just and and when I talked to Eric Taylor it was kind of like what he noticed the same thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I think that um once you're Okay, so this ties into a bunch of stuff. So you know how you and and John were talking about um like, you know, I don't understand why people in Southern California are such jerks and all this other <laughs> Yeah. So I think I get it. I mean, this is just one person's perspective, right? And you yeah, can but let's hear it. <laughs> what it's worth. But I think that um, the reason people are like that is there's like a kind of like in high school or middle school or whatever, there's like a hierarchy of, of popularity and acceptance, mm-hmm. right? And like when you're at the bottom, you're desperate. You'll be friends with anybody. And most people live in the middle, but then there's like people at the top. And if in, in your mind, even if you're in the middle, but you think you're at the top or you're getting near the top, well, then you're only going to consort with certain people because then that's going to make you look bad if you're now, I don't believe any of this is like a valid way to live. It's just my assessment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But once you get tied into like living wow. a certain way or, or being around certain people, that's kind of like your safety net. So you don't want to get out of it. So you're not going to talk to somebody that's like lower than you or, or like way off in left field or something like that. You know what I mean? So probably because I see that within my own family, I'm the only person that surfs or skims or like nobody in my family. (laughs) We got a, we got a friend, don't we? Yeah. (laughs) Is it a boy or a girl? It's a boy. Yeah. I have a coworker that has one that's trained the girl. She's like being trained to be a service dog. Oh, that's awesome. And she's yeah. like that big. Yeah. He's, um, sorry. That's pretty annoying. He, um, sometimes he just needs a little, like a, a piece of attention and then he'll just yeah. chill. A- acknowledgement. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep, you're here. But yeah. I would agree with that too. It's like, once you've made your way to the top, it's hard to let go of that. And also, yeah, there is something about being a part of that local crew that's pretty cool. I've only had yeah. it like once and out like and it was only half of the experience, probably like the feeling that you have in Delaware. Yeah. And I mean it's it feels pretty good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't it's dope. deny it. <laughs> and you don't want anything to get in the way of that. So where this ties right. in to what you experience probably I'm assuming you work at a salon. Probably... I I don't anymore. Okay. I I started my own oh. work for myself, which is how I was able to kind of like. Right. So now you're mesh... at the top. <laughs> well, <laughs> the only one in the building, so I'm yeah. at the top. <laughs> so so when you used to work at a salon, uh-huh. probably how like how I think this ties in is, you know, these girls they only have like 
one understanding of how it is and they, yeah. they probably feel like they've made it. So if someone in, if someone comes in and kind of like, you know, does something different or breaks the, 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 the baseline of what that is, then it's like they're, they're out of fear. They're still trying to hold on to what they think it should be. But, you know, they probably never know another experience unless they try. But most people are just, they get locked into something because mm-hmm. it took them enough effort to get there. And like, I'm not going to, you know, subconsciously, I'm not going to screw this up, you know, but I, yeah. I, see it, I see it in surfing. I see it in other board sports that I'm into. I see it at work. You know, it's, it's in every facet of life and it's super lame. <laughs> well, it is super lame. And there's, this makes me, this is kind of random, but there's a song that I heard when I was in New Zealand by this random like artist and it's called my scene. And basically what he talks about is like, he doesn't like, he goes to the people that smoke weed and he's like, Oh, what do you guys do? Like, Oh, we smoke weed. And then he like goes to the people that whatever surf and he's like, Oh, what do you guys do? Oh, we surf. And then goes to, you know, the other group of people like, Oh, what do you do? Oh, we do this one thing. And it's like, how can you be like, you, you don't have to be just like, one thing but so often people like take that label and wear it so intensely even being a surfer it has this like specific connotation of like i'm you know you're a beach bum and you are maybe lazy or maybe like if you're in southern california or different parts of the world that are more aggressive than you are like you know an aggro person who yeah yeah you gotta you gotta defend the home turf can't let it yeah yeah out of towners or kooks or whatever get in and mess up your scene (laughs) yeah and i mean all of that i like i'm just like you do i understand all of that stuff i just i think the more that people travel the less it's prevalent yeah pretty soon you're gonna be hearing an eight-month-old baby do that he's gonna be sitting in his chair howling like hey (laughs) that was funny Oh God, I can't decide if he just needs attention or he needs to go to the bathroom, but we'll see in a second. It's like, I, I joke that having a dog is like half of a kid. No, it is. It is like having a kid for sure. It's if like, if you need to like like, take him out. Yeah, I'm going to go take him out really fast. I'll be right back. Okay. Oh, I'm you back. call me for breakfast. <laughs> you can eat if you need to. Oh, I, I like your shirt. That's cool. Oh, yeah. This is like one of my favorite. So like, uh, have you heard of wave, ri- wave riding vehicles? No, it's really cool. Here, let me let me dump this. And- yeah, go ahead. All right, I'm back. Okay. Yeah, so um, we get a good shot of it. I don't know if you're gonna put this on video. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so it's got like all their logo is like all punk rock bands. Mm-hmm. Like I saw this in their shop. I was like, oh, I have to have it. Where is their shop at? They have a few. Um, so the one that I discovered when I was like 15, it, I'm not even joking, dude. It probably it was probably one of those points in my board riding that like changed my life. <laughs> it was like such a big deal finding that shop. But one of them is in Virginia Beach. Um, another one's in North Carolina, and I'm pretty sure that's where they shape boards. Mm. Um, and then Hawaii and Puerto Rico. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, um, I don't know if they're a big deal anywhere else, but like mid Atlantic, like between 
we'll say like Delaware, Maryland, all the way down to like North Carolina, wave riding vehicles is a pretty big deal. That's cool. Um, I don't go to California and see their anyone riding their stuff, but um, but they're pretty big in the game. They sponsor guys. I've never ridden one of their boards, but um, yeah, they're uh, they're dope, man. And you, they're like guys that work there. Like I, I swear to God, they have a pension because the same dudes work there every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, they which just is cool. But. Maybe they just know how to keep their staff, which is a good sign. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's such a rarity. Say again? I said it's a rarity, actually. Oh, yeah. There's so much turnover in retail. But um, there's one dude, Shane, who's like in charge of like the skate part, the skate part of the shop. He was probably working there since I was a kid, since I was like maybe 15 or 16 years old. And I'll have younger guys that work in like younger guys in the skate shop that I'll talk to. They'll be like, oh, yeah, Shane's been here like forever. <laughs> it's He's like, he's like, he's the old guy now, but you know, he probably still rips. That's cool. Yeah. So. When did you get into surfing or board riding? Um, that's not easy. That's not <laughs> an easy one to answer. So I got a skateboard when I was eight and I was growing up in Pittsburgh. And I really got it because I I was very infatuated with skating, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if I did it because it was cool or popular or if I really wanted to skate. I think it was a bit of both. Mm-hmm. But then I moved to Georgia, South Georgia, when I was like 10. My parents split up and I moved with my mom down there and nobody skateboarded. There was like maybe two kids. And by the time the 90s rolled around, nobody gave a crap about skating. So that fell off. And then when I, I'd say like when I, I really started to notice um, that I wanted to, like I wanted to ride boards like serious. I was like 14, 15 years old. I got into skimboarding. Like we would go to, we would go to, you know, family vacation, like Virginia Beach or whatever. And, and there was like, maybe you'd see only like a handful of dudes skimboarding there, but it was popular enough and it just had an allure, you know? And it was like accessible. Like, it wasn't like a big gnarly surfboard that you had to put on the top of your car. Like, mm-hmm. this thing, you could, you could fit in your trunk, you know? Um, and I got lucky because I got actually, I don't know how much you know about skimboarding, but. Not, not enough. <laughs> I'll so say there's that. A, there's a fair amount of Midwestern skimboarders. You'd be surprised. I did know that only because when I worked at Third Coast Surf Shop in, um, in Michigan on the lakes, they had a, um, used to hold a skimboarding competition and they yeah. carry the zap like pro style boards and i was yeah. sh- shocked at how many people came specifically because yeah we had those in stock so yeah for sure so um like midwest skimboarding is more they consider it like flatland okay so you'll see boxes like handrails that kind of like makeshift pvc pipes and you know that kind of stuff and they like i don't i'm surprised to hear that they had like zap you know, fiberglass boards because that's more for like ocean riding. But there's this uh, company called DB Skimboards that I think they're all wood and all they have is like rocker, like in the middle of the board, mm-hmm. and they just put traction on top of it. And you can these kids like they do insane stuff. They're doing like you know kick flips and varials and just all kinds of stuff. And they're doing it like on top of boxes and rails and stuff in the water. So I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been in a flatland. I've always been trying to like ride waves. 
So um, I got my first fiberglass skimboard when I was 16. And that was like, that was a pivotal moment because the, 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 the same year I ended up getting a snowboard too. So 1996 was a very good year for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like, that's what I consider like somewhat my official start was like 96. And then like, you know, I got really, in, I moved back up to Pittsburgh for college when I was 18. Um, I got really into snowboarding when I was in college. I lived about 45 minutes away from the closest mountain, like my, my home mountain that I grew up going to when I lived in Pittsburgh. Um, and then I moved to DC and then a few years after I moved here after college and spending some, some more time in PA, um, I got back into skimboarding at like the ripe age of 27. <laughs> wow. You know, I was like starting at the bottom at 27, you know? So, you know, quick sidebar, life is the life experience that I have has just taught me to be really flexible. And how this ties into the last conversation that we were having was like, I'm friends with guys that are like 20, 21 years old, like acquaintances, you know, like mm -hmm. we'll go, I'll hit them up when I'm in town and we'll go ride together. <laughs> Bless you. But, um, like I'm friends with guys like, like them. And then there's dudes that I know, like there's this cat in Delaware that I've been friends with for a few years now. who's like 50 or 52 or something like that. Never been married, has no family, no kids, nothing like that. And he's just a surf bum, but he's like very professional. Like he's got his own house. He's got like a big seven bedroom shack, you know, it's like built in the 1900s that he's like, you know, remodeling and stuff. And <laughs> Army come, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in Delaware this weekend. Like come hang out, you know, and I'll just, I'll skip off and. And, you know, spend the weekend with him and skim all weekend and surf with him if, if he decides, you know, and life has just kind of taught me to be flexible in terms of who you hang out with, who you're friends with, um, what kind of stuff you do. And I, I feel like because I had already had that flexibility built in, a lot of people would be like, you're not going to take up skimboarding at 27. That's a bad idea. You're old and people are going to make fun of you, you know, and I had that <laughs> because, you know, someone that's pushing 30, like goofing around on the wet sand is, you know, <laughs> but, yeah, but I just, so there's something to be said about learning something new. That's something that I've said before too, is just taking on a new thing, no matter what age you're at. Yeah. It just, it brings you back to that childlike, it's good to suck at something. Like, yes. It's good for your, like, it tames your ego. Yes. It makes you very humble. For yeah. sure. As long as you keep up with it and you, you like my, my motivation was like, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to figure out how to, how to get out to the water, you know, so that I can wrap this wave and ride it back into the sand. That's what basically was, what you do. What was the reason for you to start it up again? What, just randomly or? I was just infatuated with it, man. Like there was this, um, there was this fire in me that just never went out. Because so, I went to wave riding vehicles. Shameless plug, Virginia <laughs> Beach. Um, and like I, the summer before I got a skimboard, um, I was just like my dad gave me the freedom to just kind of walk around like the neighborhoods of Virginia Beach because we like would stay right on the boardwalk, right? If you know anything <laughs> about Virginia Beach, it's a massive boardwalk that goes forty blocks. And I was older than all my cousins, and I was just you know, high school is like a, a weird place. You're still trying to figure yourself out and stuff like that. So I like, I just split off from the entire group 
you know, 10 families that go to Virginia Beach. I split off from everybody and started doing my own thing. And I was, um, I was like walking around the neighborhoods and just looking at the homes and like the local shops and stuff like that. And, um, I discovered wave riding vehicles, which is like a big shrine, you know, and I, they had skimboards and a lot of shops didn't have skimboards cause they didn't sell. Um, and I just, I got like, I never forgot that. I was like, I got to take my dad back there the next summer. Like I waited a whole year to ask for a skimboard. And he, he like, we went halvesies, you know, it was like a hundred bucks. So where this fire never went out in me, um, was like, I, we got this board for, it was a $300 board. We got for like a hundred bucks. They lost money on it. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But it was way undersized for me. And I didn't know. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't have friends that skimboarded. I didn't, you know, I didn't know nothing. So this, but I thought I was just bad. You know, I, <laughs> I thought I just sucked, but I had no idea. This board was like two sizes under what I needed. It was like, so ever since I got that board, I wanted to learn how to ride waves. And I thought I was making the mistake. And then finally I, I discovered Delaware and I, you know, talked to enough people because Delaware is like probably like the capital of skimboarding on the East coast. It's huge there, you know? Not there's people that surf, but not a lot. There's more people that probably skim there. So when I finally discovered that and I could see they have amazing shore break, when I discovered like what it was about, that fire in me never died because I I, I had that desire to, to ride waves, you mm-hmm. know, and it never went out. I just like, if I ever pick this up again, like I got to get good at it. So that's why at 27, like, you know, 10 years later, 11 years later, whatever, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. You know, I was the same that I had as a kid. Now, maybe if I figured it out earlier, I don't know, I might have kept up with it more because right. <laughs> it's so much fun. But um, but that, I, I think that hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, that does. I it's just interesting um, with skimboarding because I just don't know that much about it. The only thing I really know is that guy, Austin Keen with the dreads. He's in Florida, actually. And he just does the craziest shit ever on a skimboard. It's he's like from, shocking. From, did you say Florida or Georgia? I think, no, I think he's from Florida. No, Georgia. Oh, he's from Georgia. Yeah, he's from oh, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's from Savannah, like Savannah, Tybee oh, Island. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Cool. Yeah. We were, my husband and I were actually just there not that long ago. Tybee Island is cool as hell. It's a such yeah. a cool spot. You like it? I think it's weirdly cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's like kind of got that. I don't know. When when we went there, it was definitely off season. Um, yeah. And while well, it was off season, it was during the pandemic. Um, like uh, during this whole time, yeah, or right before. But what was cool about it is, um, it feels like in those movies where you like, um, pull off in the deep south to a random gas station, and it's like kind of got that like, yeah. y'all aren't from here, are oh, ya? Yeah. And then, but then mixed with like Key West. <laughs> That's, <laughs> <all>. <laughs> That's actually an interesting way to look at it. I never, I know, I didn't place those two together. Um, so that was the vibe I got from. No, no, it's very accurate. So <laughs> remember, I told you I like I lived in Georgia for like eight years, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, we would vacation like in the Panhandle of Florida. Okay. Yeah. And because we were like 
an hour north of Florida and like maybe a half hour east of Alabama. So we would vacation like Panama City, uh, Alligator Point, Destin, Florida. And that is like Redneck Riviera. And it's it's all like what you're talking about. Like you just you get a few miles off the beach and you find hundreds of those gas stations. Where Bubba, who's, you know, the attendant who's pumping your gas, has got, like, no teeth. You can barely yeah. understand what he's saying because of his twang. We were leaving Tybee Island. Uh, my wife and I vacationed there, like, maybe six years ago or something like that. And, like, the next year I ended up meeting Austin, which was weird. But um, we were, like, pulling off to the side of the road to buy some peaches from these two bumpkins that were selling them on the side of the road. And I could understand what the guy's saying. I, it was plain English to me. Yeah. And my wife was like, because I guess I was doing the, you know, I was doing this. I was trying to make a deal on, on, on peaches. The side of the road peaches, you know, all $3 <laughs> that we spent. My wife was like, I couldn't understand a word. Like when he was explaining how they were, I could not understand a word he was saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like a different language. I was like, oh, it made sense to me. But, you know, all that time in the South, I don't know. Yeah, the yeah. twang, it's. And also there's like a different slang too. I know that um, my husband's from Ukraine and so he has some, he has issues with people specifically from Louisiana for whatever reason. (laughs) That like Creole, that like Creole, like, you know, half, it's, it's like a mixture of like English slang and then the like French Creole slang. And then they just kind of speak like more in the back of their mouths. But it's just so funny because to anybody that's not from the States or to anybody that's like only been in their maybe Midwest or like Northern America. And then they go to the South and you're like, how in the hell are we from the same country? Like you, I know know. it's, it's like, I'm starting to notice it with like, with like, um, like the British accent. Like there's some variations like in the British accent. Yeah, there is. I know, like, I couldn't tell where they're from or any of that, right. but like, we'll watch, you know, some British television here and there, like, you know, Peaky Blinders, like, oh, Peaky, yeah. Peaky Blinders, like a BBC production that Netflix picked up. And then there's other stuff. And I'll just, I'll, I'll be able to tell it's like, oh, they're not, they're not from the same place. Like, he sounds more educated. So he's probably like from London or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That might be like a Liverpool guy. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's funny. Uh, and, you know, America is like so, or the United States is so big. So, so think of how many, like, yeah. and there's, like, variations within, like, within the South. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I live there, like, I can tell somebody that's from, like, Georgia, Alabama versus Tennessee or Louisiana. It's a right. different accent, you know? It is different, and there's different slang, and that's okay. what's, it's so funny is once you, like, once you've left the States, you realize that the States is more like the EU than it really is, like, its own country. Like, it's almost like every state has its own little, like, yeah. oh, well, we're from Michigan. Oh, well, we're from, you know how Ohio people are. And you're like, <laughs> do you? So the Midwest, they have their own little whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all because uh, of college football, probably. It's all it's college. It's, co- it's two things, at least in the Midwest. I can speak from experience. It's two things. It's football but it's also michigan being the like where people have their vacation homes or like lake homes 
Yeah. So there's the, it's called FIPS, and it's fucking Illinois people or fucking Indiana people because they come <laughs> from whatever to Michigan and they don't know how to drive. That's this, like, saying that everybody says. Yeah. Those FIPS are everywhere, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, summer. But that's, it's that's kind cool. of, I think it kind of ties in with that localism thing, too, because you want to, like, have your, you know, those Illinois people get in here and everybody gets accidents and, you know, it's like how much of that is true, who knows, but it's it's something about having that yeah. Know, yeah, local yeah. vibe. <laughs> yeah. I you know, I can I can respect that. I mean, I'm an out of towner. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere I go, if I'm riding waves, I'm an out of towner. So I'm yeah, like me too. somewhat of a weekend warrior and I find myself making fun of people that are in the same boat as me. You know, people that are like, you know, they're showing up and they're, um, they're not respectful. You know, they're kind of, there's no self-awareness. They don't understand. It's like, you're in somebody like you're a visitor here. You know, I I get it's all America, but it's like, you're, you're out of state. You're a visitor here, you know, like show a little bit of respect to the locals. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So anytime somebody asks me, are you a local? And they're just assuming I'm from there. I mean. That's like probably better than saying like, oh, you, you rode that wave really well. Like I take that as the biggest combo. Oh, you don't think I'm like from out of, oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On the same page. Yeah. No, that's true. And then you can get, you can get better waves, you know? I mean, if you, I don't know, if people think you're local, then you can get away with a little bit more when you're out there, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't try to pull over any, yeah. like pull one over on anyone, but, um, yeah, I, I, as much as it sucks, you know, the, some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier about, you know, like, um, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and like, you know, having an open mind about different images or different people or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like you working in the salon with, diff- you know, a certain demographic or whatever. You know, like I'm all for that, but there's a certain way you go about it, you know? Oh, totally. If you're, if you're in a new place, like I'll usually scope a place before I just like pick up a board and just, and just go and yeah. ask a few people that know, I like, I won't just show up somewhere and just start riding. You know, it's like, that's kind of dangerous. It's, it, it's not even, it's not only dangerous from a people perspective, but just the environment. If you don't know the environment, you could get hurt, you know, surfing and skimboarding are dangerous sports. Totally. Does your wife surf? No. Or skim? No. <laughs> she she's smiling at me now. She <laughs> um, she was the coolest chick when we were like dating, engaged, and first married, and now she won't do anything with me. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! Is she like wanting to punch you? No, she <laughs> she knows. She knows that about herself. <laughs> no, hey, that's but she knows I'm very candid about it. That's true. Hey. Yeah. No, I just asked because it's funny when you, we were first talking, you were like, yeah, the only thing you can Google about me is my wedding pictures. So then I looked at all your wedding. Oh, did you? They were awesome pictures. Yeah, it was, it was pretty dope. That was like the pictures that you saw were like two days after we got married. It was like, the like oh, the um, the ones in the ocean, like the ones yeah. in the water. That was like two days after. I don't remember. I mean, that was so long ago. I don't remember what was on there. I don't, were there actual wedding pictures like us at the church and stuff? Yeah, there was church pictures. I looked through all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so weird. I'm sorry. No, I 
was like, oh, these are really cool. Like, I don't yeah. know how much I can know about yeah. this guy before our interview through his wedding pictures, but like, looks fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was. We went down to uh, Playa Carmen, which is like south of Cancun. And it's like, it's a tourist spot, but not nearly as touristy as, you know, Cancun. Um, it was fun. We uh, we spent two weeks down there. We got married there, and then we went south to Tulum for like a oh. week. Yeah, and like, you know, not many people came to our wedding. It was like maybe 50 people, you know, but... Um, I mean, that's a good amount for a destination. For a destination. Yeah, I guess it's not bad. It was a lot of her family. I, I probably had like a dozen, maybe a few more show up, you know, friends, family. But, um, but yeah, we, um, we went back for the first time like two years ago and then we're going back again next year and we're taking our son. So this will, you know, this will be kind of cool. That's like, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be cool to, to go back to the church with him. It's like, you know, here's, here's where it all started. Now he'll be like one and a half. So he still won't get it, but <laughs> it's so cool. Though. Yeah. There's still some sentiment behind it. So that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Are you, this is maybe is a weird question, are you Jewish? There's like a, a plate that says Shalom behind you, or did you just go to Israel or something? <laughs> <laughs> My parents got me that. Okay. I don't, I, we're not, I we're definitely not church. Jewish. Yeah, yeah, you said church. I guess that should have been a key that you're not Jewish, but I saw that plate and I was like, oh, I wonder. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could be Christian Jews in all fairness. There That's are true. That's yeah. true. Um, no, not Jewish. Um, my father's from Egypt. Oh, okay. And Monica, my wife, both of her parents are from Egypt. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, um, we're Christian Egyptians. So, um, that's like cop, like Coptic Orthodox. Coptic Orthodox pretty much means like Christian Egyptian. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. How, um, did, that's like a persecuted minority in Egypt, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, did your dad come here like refugee status or asylum my, status? His older brother, my uncle, did. Yeah. Like, he, okay. He fled the country, um, and went to Lebanon. I think. I think he went mm -hmm. to he he was like in Lebanon for like a year, and then he might have went to Turkey or something like that, and then came to the states. So my uncle fled. Um, my dad opted out of the mandatory military there, like they uh -huh. have mandatory military service. Yeah. He opted out for a medical condition, which was total BS. <laughs> so he got lucky. And then he followed my uncle, um, maybe uh, two years or so after. So he, he came for school. He was going to, he was going to just be like on a school visa or work visa or whatever. And he ended up staying, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's so wild. Have you been back there? I've never been, no. Yeah. Uh, my my family, my Egyptian family at least, they're like some of the most American people you'll ever meet. Yeah. It's like once they left, they're like, we're done with that freaking country, man. We want nothing to do with it. Yeah, I think that's pretty common for any um, group that has been persecuted to a certain degree whenever they get to whatever their home. Like, I know that there's a lot of, there's a lot of, Christian Lebanese people in Germany, yeah, and that that fled to Germany, and yeah. um, and the same with like the Turkish people in Germany. Just when I was there, that they're like, they're super German now. You know, it yeah. kind of becomes that adapting of 
what the place that took you in, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, I, I have a lot of respect for immigrants that come over that assimilate, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm partial because that's how my family was. They, right. Their whole point was like, you know, we're not, you know, we're from Egypt, and that'll never change. And we still, mm-hmm. you know, we look the part, we speak the part, but we're Americans now. And now yeah. that in America, we're gonna we're gonna be Americans. You know, my my dad married a white lady. <laughs> you know, my mother, she, you know, she's American. Um, you know, I, so you know they made their lives here, and you know, being the son of an immigrant father had its own its own moments. You know, some good, some bad. <laughs> you know, but that was just a. I, you know, the fact that I do what I do in my free time is just another deviation from the family, you know? Yeah. And just, you know, the rest of my family is just, they're not into that. You know, they're they're all very successful. They're into BMWs and gold watches and, you know, our Armani shirts and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm like, hey, that, if that's your thing, you know, you can afford it. You can do whatever you want. I just, that's just never been me, you know? Yeah. So I, I never, I was always the black sheep you know, so to speak. Like I just never, I never identified with that. You know? Yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting. It's also interesting to see how, cause technically you're first generation almost, you know, like yeah. at least half, fun. you know? Yeah. So like, it, it's interesting to see that how different, different families have dealt with it because like, I think it's interesting from my perspective, because that's what's going to happen with like my kids, you know, because yeah. they're going to be basically like half in and half out, you yeah. know. So it's when I've I've had the podcast or I've talked to different people, it's interesting to see how different families deal with that. Some fully assimilate, some try to have like one hand in each culture, yeah. you know, figure out what they want to pass down, and um, it's kind of that. Um, it's a very American dilemma. Yeah. Per se. Um, and I think it is unique to America and Canada and, you know, some of yeah. these countries that we're able to let, you know, let people in and kind of have that. I don't know. It's it's interesting to hear that. For sure. So, so and I can, funny that I, can, I thought Jewish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the, the name David and then also, you know, I just I, everyone says I look like Ben Stiller. So, I can see that. Yeah, I so annoying. Um, so, <laughs> oh, like, hey. yeah, I got a little little bugger with me. So, so this is Kairos. Hi. He's eight months old today. It's his like <laughs> it's like his birthday, and he's he's generally a good baby. I can't complain about him. That's cool. He's pretty chill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's fine. That's the boss. Oh, hi, boss. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Um, so, yeah, like the biggest advice. Uh-oh. Kairos just, uh, he knocked the camera. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, Kairos you, is a cool name. Yeah. Um, his mom I, picked that. So That's cool. So Kairos is like a, it's a Greek word. I'm going to grab him. Say bye, Kairos. Bye. Say bye, Nice to meet you. Let me give you a little smile. (laughs) So, um, so Kairos is Greek for, um, time. 
So there's there's like a few words in Greek that that describe time. Chronos is like our time. You know what I mean? Like people's time. Kairos is God's timing, like the perfect and opportune time for something to occur. That's what Kairos means. Yeah. Uh, So it's just in short, it's God's timing. So he was a a little surprise. Um, Both my wife and I are 40. (laughs) We had our first kid at 39. (laughs) So we weren't planning on having kids and he just kind of showed up. So the name was kind of fitting. You know. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah. How's it having a kid? Um, it's, um, it's been interesting. It's hard to really compare it to normal life just because, you know, the pandemic kind of hit like in February mm-hmm. and he was, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't old enough to, he was, he was still young. So like, like baby life was what we expected, but you know, I compare like my life being married versus my life being married and having kids to like, okay, how much did I get out and ride this week? You know, or how, how many times have I made it to the beach or to the mountains or whatever? So that's not a fair comparison. So I can't blame him. It's like, oh, I haven't been out as much because I have a kid. It's like, no, I haven't been out as much because everybody's sick. Yeah, and that's true. <laughs> that's true. But he's like, he's not a fair comparison because like when he was two months old, he was sleeping six to eight hours on his own without okay, waking. Okay, so he's like a really good He's baby. like a really good And now he sleeps 12 hours. Okay, so. <laughs> without interruption. So he's a trick only, baby that makes you think you want another one, and then the second and one then will the be next hell. One is going to be a freaking nightmare. Yeah, exactly. That's what my mom told. <laughs> your brother, your brother. Yeah, mother. <laughs> That's funny, dude. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's always the second one. Like my wife has like a, a niece and nephew on her side of the family, and you know the the son is like he's pretty mellow. Like he's mellow now. He was he was. A little whatever, like when he was maybe two, three years old, and then his sister came around, he mellowed out, and she's a nut job. And she's like seven now, and she's still crazy. <laughs> but, you know, she's fun. So she she um, she keeps everyone on her toe, or she keeps everyone on their toes, and, you know, she has a pretty lively personality. But it's what when I see myself getting older now, obviously, like my ability in like snowboarding or skimboarding or whatever. Clearly, it's not what it used to be, but it's fun now getting to teach kids. Right. Like, like I have a mini ramp in our home here, and we'll have friends come over and with their kids that are like, you know, anywhere from five to ten years old. And they're like, oh, my God, I want to skate. And he's like, you want to learn to skate? Okay, let's pad up. I'll show you how to pump the ramp. You know, it's that is almost as much of a buzz as me, like, you know, getting in the pocket and like crunching. Yeah. <laughs> keep away from it like to me that's just the funnest thing you know is to watch someone who doesn't know how to skate like an hour later they can totally pump the ramp and they're still you know that's what it's about in a way i think once you get to a certain spot and maybe it's not age maybe it's just like experience or something that that is what it becomes about like teaching other people and then when they get it because there's just at least my experience has been that you can teach someone to surf, okay? And then maybe one out of every 20 people actually gets it, like what it's about, you know, like the feeling yeah. and becomes like gets into it and they're like, yeah, you know, this person taught me how to surf and now I'm like, that's the my lifestyle, you know? And yeah. then you're like, oh yeah, that's a cool thing. So do you do, you do surf lessons or? Is I it used just- to, yeah, yeah. Really? I used to. 
yeah, I used to do surf lessons on uh, Lake Michigan. That's how I got involved in that whole, that's how I started the podcast is because I started meeting all these cool surfers that would come to the lake um, for like a novelty wave. So we had some different pro surfers come. And um, so I started meeting all these, like just the band of people that surfs the lakes is just a very interesting crowd of people. And so with just random stories and cool life stories, and I really like talking to people. So that's, that was like the inspo for the podcast was like, what other people, what are people like that surf? That's the only premise. It's like, it's about surfing, but it's, it's more about people. It's about like, what are people like that surf and why do they surf? And you know, what's their life like, I guess. So is it, let me ask you this. Yeah. You have an interesting perspective on this. Do you think, you know, now that you're, now that you're a surfer and, and you're in with the click and you're meeting people and now you have like a, a podcast and all this, is it is surfing for you now more about community or is it more about like a sport or an action or or an activity? It's hard to say because I've never. I don't want to say never, but I would say that I've only fully been involved in one surfing community, and that was when I was in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, even when I was in the Great Lakes like community, and I worked at the shop and all this stuff, there was still kind of like a miss this like missing link. I guess there wasn't like a full community aspect to it. Um, in terms of like everybody knows each other and we're doing shit at someone's house afterwards you know, like like that is what yeah. i was searching for coming from like my experience in new zealand um but what i've found is i'm able to easily tap into other communities when i want to because we just moved right so i moved to florida um like we moved to florida a month ago and so i don't really have a surf community yet well you're in florida yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, we just moved literally a month ago. Wow. Yeah, so I think, I don't know if this is a good answer, but I would say my answer is like, surfing is a vessel for me, it makes me my best self, and then I meet pretty interesting people like through that, so I don't know if that's like community as like a, like a super broad term, you know, like. I'm not a good surfer by any means at all. But what I like is that um, you're constantly bettering yourself and you're only competing. You're not competing against somebody else, really, unless you're like, you know, trying to surf the same wave. So for me, it's about like, you can can always be better. There's always someone that's better than you in surfing. And then that plus the feeling of like using nature to propel yourself forward. It's like euphoric. So yeah. that's what surfing is for me. And yeah. when I when I started surfing, I was I was so bad at it. I was super unhealthy and very overweight and like just in a really negative zone. And it was that thing that kind of pulled me out of it. And I've heard that story so much, especially through the podcast, people getting sober and that's their thing, people, whatever. Yep. And it's just for me, and I haven't surfed in a couple of weeks because we've been so crazy busy getting mm-hmm. like our life set up here. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's just for me, it's that like, it's a constant. It's like, I would say it's like the main constant in my life is that I know that I can go surf and I have to, I, ever since I started surfing, I've, it's been my 
have to live by a place where I can surf. There's no, yeah. like, I can't live inland. It's just not an option. So that, I mean, that makes sense because you're the closest break to you is like, what, two, three hours away, right? In Florida? No, 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 in Michigan. It was like, oh, no, no. I, we lived right, right on Lake Michigan. We lived right there. So we surfed oh. the lakes. Oh, um, yeah. So was we, there always waves there? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'll send you some. I'll send you some uh, other podcasts of people we interviewed. But there's a full, especially like I always talk about Toronto. But as far as community goes, the Toronto Canada surfing scene on those two lakes there is something that I've never experienced in my life. It's so it's a community. There's I think two shops, and then there's one other surf shop on one of the lakes. But there's so there's like this core group of three surf shops, and they are like. They're just constantly doing stuff. They're during the whole pandemic. Uh, the owner of Surf the Greats was doing free yoga twice a week. So then you have like this big class of like seventy people all doing yoga on Zoom together. Like yeah. that is community. It's like yeah. that is, you know. And we, my husband and I, were going to move to Toronto. We loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's funny, dude. Uh, but yeah, so that. That's why we were able to stay in Indiana for so long is because we were able to surf there. That's cool. Yeah. So I guess the move to Florida was just, it's like the next step. Yeah, well, it, we, we wanted a change of scene. Weirdly, moving in a pandemic is the best time to move. I know that sounds insane. No, no, no. But like, um, it was honestly, it's been great so far. And that was just our, we, we wanted a change of pace, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, that's pretty um, cool, man. I I have not um you know, listening to like Eric Taylor's interview with you mm-hmm. and and John's like I've never um I've never been willing to like make that jump. Like I've been, you know, since I was out of college, I've just been like searching for stability in terms of my career. Mm-hmm. So like I was comparing myself a lot to like John W or um so like John Wayne Freeman, because mm-hmm. like, I'm I looking at him and like during the interview, I was like, we have about the same amount of hair. We're like, <laughs> we're like the same age, you know, like both of our wives are like into fitness, like his wife's a coach and my wife's like an online fitness coach, you know, um, yeah, I was just like comparing like all, you know, but what, what I found funny is just how surfing was very consistent and it was always accessible in his life. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really, he didn't really care about having a job you know where for me like i had two parents that were like you know academias and they're they're like no no you you need to like take school seriously and you know go to college and finish and get a good job so i was like already primed for that i wasn't a good student at all like Mm kind of like john like i'm a big time procrastinator like i hate sitting down and doing work it's like the worst effort but that's all i knew I didn't know any better, you know, to like, hey, you could like move to Colorado or move to California or move somewhere else, you know, and just have a different life. It didn't hit me until I finally got a job and was tied to a home that I had bought when I was like 25. I'm like, I'm stuck here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, I might as well stay. I mean, I made all this freaking effort for the last 25 years to like to do it. Like, I can't go anywhere now, you know. So. So I find that interesting, like, you know, I I have a lot of respect for somebody like you that, that just up and leaves and it's like, this is going to be my lifestyle. I have to live somewhere where, you know, and like work will come, 
<laughs> well, it. I have to say that it's there's definitely like perks and also like downfalls, which I think one of that can be the community is that like you have to like you have to meet people like you have to do that and also like having fit like it's it's very transient even though you know we've lived someplace for like our the last place we lived we were there for four years it is it's still like a very transient lifestyle and it's kind of it can be there's something really positive about putting roots down like we did just buy a house and so that's the most like um solid like thing we've ever done obviously yeah. is buying a house um but i don't know again with being in the middle there's something really cool about being in the middle and i do think like with talking about john that that interview for me it just changed my whole perspective it really is one of the interviews there's a couple that are like really made a big impact on me and that's one of them because you think about a guy who is just kind of trying to figure it out and then he really fucking figured it out. And yeah. you can figure it out whenever. And yeah. that's that's the best thing is that he he's every guy. Like, yeah. I just know he's going to be so successful because when you meet him and you talk to him and he's funny and he's honest and he's talking about, you know, the peaks and valleys in life. And he's not trying to, you know, fluff anything up. He's just being very, like, whatever. And so when I – it's just been so – with the podcast, it's been so – inspiring and interesting to hear because of these these different kind of people and even even like you like you're like yeah my life's been really solid but you still have a pretty fucking interesting life and it's cool you know like there's not it doesn't have to be so like so so extreme i don't know well i'm not shy about taking compliments so i i (laughs) (laughs) well it's you know and it's just because maybe you didn't up and move or whatever. I mean, you had a baby at 39 when you weren't planning on it. That's pretty like, uh, that's a pretty yeah. big deal, you know, like it's, that's, that's a life changing thing. It's, it's definitely a rolling with the punches kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, you know, I've, some people learn the hard way and I, I feel like in some ways maybe I did, but it's been easier as I get older to just learn to be flexible, you know? And I, if I have to drive two and a half, three hours to get to the ocean to do what I love, mm-hmm. and then, you know, sometimes in the same day, drive back, like at yeah. midnight or something like that, you're doing what you love, you mm-hmm. know, and no big deal that it started, it didn't really start to take off for you until you hit like, you know, 27, 28, 30 years old, you know, you're still getting to do what you love. And I've had so many like hiccups, like I've you know at 30. Um, I missed work for three months because of uh, two herniated discs in my lower back. Oh, and I had for years, I had this fear like that I was going to get hurt doing what I love. And then that was going to be the end of it. Like at 30 something, I'm never going to be able to skim again. I'm never going to be able to snowboard. You know, I just, I got lucky that I had the right people in my life at the right time to kind of, you know, encourage me and say like, you can get over this. You know, you can do this. Um, and it's been hard, you know, like when you see it starting to slip away <laughs> because there's so much like for every positive person, there's 10 more negative people that are telling you you're too old. You need to give this up. You shouldn't do this anymore. You know, like just be just be happy that you have a job, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's just like it's almost like a like settling for less kind of thing. And uh, I don't know. 
thanks be to God, like I just have this fire in me that's just like I'm not I'm not going to do that because if I do that, then life is over. Like life becomes so predictable, you know. And once life becomes predictable, what what zeal, what passion do you have to do anything? I mean, there's nothing good, there's nothing bad. I mean, I'd rather take the peaks and and valleys and have the bullshit of life, you know, come in and mess everything up and then have the success of getting over that than just have this very average Joe, you know, predictable life, you know, and I mean, I say that now and then, you know, watch me under pressure and I'm like <laughs> losing my head, you know, well, it's happening. I, I, but, think, I do think that some of that, again, like circling back to, to surfing, like, I think so much of that is what makes surfing exciting is because you have no idea what's going to happen. Like you don't yeah. know if you're going to totally eat shit. Like I always joke that like I, I haven't got hurt knock on wood on like surfing big waves, but I did like give myself a concussion and break my nose on a two foot wave riding an epoxy longboard. So oh. Right. Oh. Isn't that crazy? I know. But, you didn't have your coffee that morning. That probably, but, but it's just because you never know what's going to happen. It was just yeah. the timing was just off just slightly, and I wasn't paying enough attention because it was a you know, barely anything a sneeze of a wave, you know. And then, yeah. but but that's that's kind of the the thrill is that you have, you have no idea, even if you're the best surfer in the water, things can happen. What Kelly Slater's broken his foot like six times or something crazy, you know. it's like the same injury that honestly that's what scares me i i I get a little i get a little freaked out by skimboarding especially on the west coast because the waves are you're in very shallow water and sometimes Mm -hmm. waves are like over your head so it it still scares me but um but surfing scares me more because i know less about it you know i haven't surfed nearly as much as i like skimming has been a very consistent thing in my life for years and surfing, I just picked up like, like not that long ago. Like the first time I surfed, I was like a teenager in Hawaii. Like who the mm-hmm. hell? Cares? That, that doesn't count, you know. But uh, <laughs> but like when I like when I picked up surfing and said like I want to do this consistently every summer now, I was like thirty three. You know, mm-hmm. my wife and I like just ponied up and got a lesson, and it's like, oh, let's do this. You know, let's surf for a couple hours with this dude who knows what he's doing, and uh, and that's like the easiest way to learn rather than like trying to be a hard ass and, and figure it out on your own, which a lot of people do and fail miserably, you know, but but yeah, I, I, I like at an older age now, it's like time is not as valuable as it used to be, so it makes sense to just invest in someone that knows what they're doing, but um it's still like, even when I go out with somebody, like I made friends with this dude from WRV down in Virginia beach. He's like, he like runs the surf camp in Virginia beach through mm-hmm. vehicles down there. And like, there's still like, it's, it, it's like a sterile because I'm with somebody and he's picking the best waves and all that stuff. Oh, it's like, yeah. a, it's a sterile environment versus if I go out and I, I do a wave check and I check the conditions and all that stuff myself and I paddle out on my own with nobody in the water. It just got real now. <laughs> like, right. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, the first time I surfed on a reef was in DR and I was terrified that oh. I was going to fall and just get cut up by this freaking reef, you know? Yeah. I think there's, it's interesting because we've had a couple of people on, or I've talked to different people that do like the surf coaching. And on one hand, if you want to progress at a quick level, you have to kind of like 
it's a good way to do it. You know, and anybody can like look, someone else can look at you doing anything and correct you better than you can correct yourself. Yes. But at the same time, at the same time, it does become very like, and this is it, and this is where the pocket is, and this is how you paddle for this, and this is where this peak is, and you're, you know, and then it becomes very like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. About that. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting is there's a whole generation of surfers coming up that that's like their lives, you know, like their parents put them into those, like, um you know, programs at like age whatever six and they have a surf coach and like that's that's their surf that's how they surf, you know, that's how they know how to surf. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's um I don't know, man. It, this is just my, you know, ill informed opinion, but I feel like that's a really inorganic way of of doing things, you know, and it's almost like a pro athlete taking steroids. It's like it's almost like kinda unfair. You know, it's it's a unfair advantage to to everyone else. I mean, I I don't follow competitive sporting partly for that reason because mm-hmm. like to me, surfing is like that's a that's a disconnect. Like this is this is like to have fun, and then when it gets super competitive, that just take that sucks the fun right out of it. You know, at least for me. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's like a pretty good mixture because there's a lot of people that they live for the competitive nature of surfing and they do view they they that's how they enjoy surfing but i think there's also this other like for me i like watching the free surfers you know i like the guys that are like oh billabong is gonna give me whatever ten thousand dollars and all these guys to come to film me at this spot and then it's just whatever happens you know (laughs) it's like that's that's my but it is diff. I used to get really, my husband made, made fun of me, but I used to get really upset about like that. I'm like, they just don't understand what surfing's about. And he's like, surfing is about, it's about different things for different people. And he's yeah. right. He's yeah. usually right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. Maybe, maybe you and my wife should become friends and you can give some <laughs> advice to her. That would be, that would be very helpful for me. He's, he, he, you know, he, he is usually spot on and that kind of stuff but I, I because I think for me and I th- probably it sounds like for you too like we're we're not the hyper competitive people we're probably not the best I mean I've never seen you surf but I'm assuming that we're not on a like competitive level of surfing yeah. right it's more of like a hobby but we see it for that like I don't know the soul of it that's how yeah. I experience it and yeah. I do sometimes I'm very like in a weird way, protective of this like soul of what yeah. surfing is. I mean, just just the very fact that I'm asking you is it more about community or is it more about the activity? Right. And, you know, like just your answer based on that, you can tell that like surfing's not a competitive thing for you. I can't. <laughs> well, I suck at it. Compared well, to no, I mean it's, it's not even that. But I I bet you you're you're anxiously trying to get better. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you suck, but I mean the the very fact that like the very fact that you're willing to pick up and move from Michigan to Florida just so you can be near waves, that's progression in and of itself. Like you're relocating in order to get better, you know, or to or to surf different waves or whatever. So like, you know, maybe there maybe it's competitive within yourself. Like it's a it's a competition within you to get yeah. better. I'm like Taylor at age I'm going to say that you're 25. 
Taylor at 25 is trying to be better than Taylor at 20. Yeah. You know? So that's the way I look at it. It's like I'm 40 now, but I'm trying to be better than what I was when I was 35, you know, in, in whatever, whether it be snowboarding, skating, or anything, you know? And I think that that's how you become that 70-year-old longboarder who's, like, better than everybody and just cruising, you know? Yep. Doesn't care. Is yep. that the I, I think we lost audio on your side. Like, the volume went way down. Oh. I think I went too far away from it. Like, is this better? Uh, one more time. Is this better? Yes, much better. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I was getting too far away from the mic. That's my fault. I got no, too excited. No, no, no. no but Talking I, I with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we Egyptians, we do that, too. We're like Italian. Okay. We, just, we talk with our hands. We're very expressive. I don't know if you can... Notice, but I, I, I project my voice. I'm very loud. Yeah. <laughs> my wife tells me all the time. But um, that's funny. You didn't. You totally agreed from the beginning with that. That I'm loud. <laughs> there was no pause in that. Well, it's better for me because that means I can capture the audio in a good way. Yeah. So I yeah, yeah. I'm not happy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, yeah, but like I, I totally get you. Like you're, you're thinking, you know, thirty years down the road, or or maybe forty years down the road, in terms of, you know, where you want to be at in terms of surfing. Like that seventy year old guy that's like cruising by everybody on a longboard. Like your mind's already there, <laughs> dude. I'm, the, I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm seriously in the same boat. Like I'm thinking, I'm not thinking as much, you know like how gnarly I want to get and, you know, what tricks do I want to work on? It's more like, how can I, how can I maintain the level and maybe progress at an older age? Mm -hmm. But how can this last me another 20, 30 years? Cause I mm -hmm. want to do this, I want to do this forever. Like I don't want to peter out at like 40 and like, Oh, I got kids and a mortgage and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I can't do it anymore. No, screw that dude. Like I'm going to try to make it work. So have, where do I see myself? Has your mindset of it changed since having your son? So remember what I was saying, like, you know, like we don't have a, I don't have a good understanding of what it's like having a right. kid in terms of, you know, active, like the ability to get out because it's because of the stupid pandemic. You right. Know? I mean, so, I mean it more in like terms of to pass on to him or something along oh, the way. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm not going to be one of those hyper-competitive fathers that treat, skate that treat skating or surfing or anything like baseball or football or basketball, like team sports. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to be like that. Like, I tell people now, if Kai, if Kai takes up golf, it's going to break my heart. <laughs> I'm going to be really bummed out. Yeah. Um... And if he doesn't, if he wants nothing to do with board sports, it's going to really suck. But I, I am going to introduce it to him. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to force him because if yeah. I force it on him, that's again, we go into the whole, you yeah, know, yeah. parents getting their kids in at a young age and then they don't have the freedom to choose, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm going to lay out five toys and I'm not going to tell him which toy that daddy likes the most. Right. <laughs> Because that's gonna that's gonna screw up his judgment. He's gonna want to make me happy, and he's gonna he's gonna pick something that you know, in order for acceptance. So I'm just it's like, you know, we have a mini ramp in our home. He's gonna see me skating, you know. He's gonna see me going to the beach every weekend. You know, he'll probably come with me. He's gonna see me in the water. You know, it's like this, this is all available to you. <laughs> you know? Like 
you got to, you know, I, I had to wait years to do this. <laughs> like, it was so hard trying to convince my immigrant father, like, Dad, I want a skimboard. Like, what do you want the skimboard for? <laughs> Very expensive. You don't want this. You should make three days in school. This is where your heart is. Your education. We don't, in Egypt, we don't have education. <laughs> like, Kairos, you don't understand, like, how hard it was for me to get here. <laughs> you know? So it's going to be hard to not push this off. But I'm going to work really hard to, to give him the freedom, you know? Yeah. To, like, to choose. Now, so hopefully that answers your question. It does. No, it does. Okay, so I have three more questions for you. And then we can, I guess, transition from the podcast into the yeah. whatever you want to talk about after this. But Advice. the first, yeah, so the first question is, what is the weirdest wave that you've surfed? Okay, so don't make fun of me for being a nerd, but I prepared for this question. Okay, no, that's, that's okay. <laughs> All right, so I got I got two. I, I can't. I can't just name like one of them because they're both highly, highly strange. No, that's great. So the first, the first one that's probably the less weird of the two uh, was in San Diego. So how how familiar are you with San Diego? I've only been there once. We okay. were there for a week. I'd say okay. moderate. All right. So if if you ever go back, um, you need to go to this place called the Wall. Um, okay. And it's like, it's the it's the strangest beach I've ever been to. It's like, it's got this massive hill that just goes straight down and then drops into the beach. And that's why they call it the wall. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just this big wall of land, like facing the beach. But I was, I was skimboarding there and, um, the waves are just weird in the sense that like, remember those skateboard wheels for like from the eighties that were like real, like round, but like, <laughs> but really wide too yeah yeah just a real boxy weird looking skate well this wave whenever it would begin to like crest and barrel it reminded me of those skate wheels it was just really hollow you know and and yeah it was really hollow in a really narrow area and it was just like you could ride it you know i would like run into the wave like get on my board glide out to the pocket and just you know wrap but it was so hollow like i would almost like it was almost like the the rail of the board wouldn't catch the water, and I would just like skid out because <laughs> it was so. Fr- so you had to like you had to get into these things like a couple of times to figure out okay, like where do I need to be on it so that I can so that the board grips, you know, mm-hmm. so that I can make the make the whole turn, you know. So that was that was that was a very strange wave to ride. Um, the next wave, which is probably like the number one spot, he's giving you hell today, isn't he? He is, he is. Lay down, <laughs> lay down, you're so needy. Sorry. Jesus. <laughs> bathroom first. He probably wants to eat now if you didn't feed him. Yeah, I already fed him. He's just being a drama queen. He's been spoiled because of quarantine. We're around 24 7. Oh, that'll spoil him quick. Now he's super spoiled, you know? Yeah, Things yeah. are starting to open back up, and he's like, "You guys were gone all day yesterday." Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, go know. ahead. Um, so the so the next one, which is probably the number one spot. So um, you may remember uh, J.W. Freeman's um, video at the wedge. Yes, yes. Okay. So I was at the wedge. Well, not well. It was down from the wedge. So you have wedge, and then you have cylinders. Cylinders is like 
I don't know, a few hundred yards down from the wedge, but it's the same beach, right? Mm -hmm. So um, my wife gets invited to a conference every year in Southern California, and I always go with her because it's like mm -hmm. she's in a conference and I have all this time to myself, so I'm going to go out, you know? Yeah. So, um, so I was at Newport Beach at Cylinders, and the day before, it was rough as hell, and I got in the water. And my wife got this video of me doing like this perfect frontside wrap. I mean, it was it was a thing of beauty. And I caught in an hour, I only caught like two waves. It sucked, you know, but I had no business like being out like in that rough of water. The next day, calm as Hindu cows. Like it was super, super calm. And. But the waves were doing like something super weird. They were like. Like not even this like sets coming in. It was just like the regular swell would just kind of like build and build and build and then mellow out and break. But then a few of them would build and build and build and then like shoot up like double in size and then break. And it was like a nar and it was so hard to judge. Right. You know, this isn't my home break. I don't I don't skim here all the time. So this is this is gnarly. So I drop in and they're like the last three waves have all been you know, kind of gnarly. And this one looks like it's building like mellow as it's getting to shore. And I get on my board. And as soon as I hit the water, I look up and this effing thing is it's like two off. feet over my freaking head. And you got to remember, like I'm in two feet of water. Yeah. In or not even. Yeah. So as this thing is like over my head, I'm like, I'm not, I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to hold my speed down the line. Like I'm going to get wrecked. So. I went up, the, like, tried to go up the top, like, to the crest and just, like, go out the back. And as I did that, I was, like, on my board. I was still on my board, like, on top of what I thought was a crest. And the freaking thing just shot up and shot the board, like, right into my legs. And I, to, in, in an attempt to, like, stay on my board so that the board wouldn't hit me. Because skim boards are, like, three quarters of an inch thick, five mm -hmm. inch like the rail, if the rail hits like your leg or something like that, it'll mess you up pretty bad, yeah, yeah. you know? So to keep the board from hitting me, I stayed on top of it and, um, to absorb, like I was trying to absorb the crest and like one, like both my knees bent and one of my knees just bent like sideways, you know, like I was going to try to mimic it with my hand, but <laughs> with my arm, <laughs> but it just, it bent the wrong way. It like hyperextended, but like out the side. And I just heard like this big crunch. It just went, <laughs> <laughs> no. so i was you know all the symptoms that i had were acl but it turned out it was just like a three millimeter break in my tibia yeah it swole up and everything but oh i didn't need God. i didn't need surgery this happened in october so i missed the entire snowboard season you know until like maybe april i got to go on one trip but that it freaked me the hell out because that's never happened all the years i've been skimboarding i've never had i've never been in a pinch like that you know so I haven't been back to cylinders yet. So like, I feel like I got to, it's like Rocky. Like I got to go back and get in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta. <laughs> well, I feel like that's also kind of answers my other, my next question, which was going to be your oh shit moment. Cause that's like yeah. a weird wave. And it's also like, it's a pretty big oh shit moment. It was. Yeah. It, it for sure. I've had some other oh shit moments too in and out of the water, you know, but, um, but in the essence of time, we can leave it at that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So my last question for you is, um, what's next for you? Man, that is, 
what are we t- are we talking about like board riding or however <laughs> you want to take it <laughs> so ever- okay so i'll the way i'll answer this is um you know because my son has a part in this too you know i, I definitely want to get him on boards and like i said i'm going to try to introduce it to him and it's it's his whether to accept or not but i think you know how we got linked up was me talking to you about your podcast and how you got started and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's been, it's been on my heart for like five years now to start this blog. Mm-hmm. And the more I think about it, you know, the more I come up with ideas for posts, like it used to be like every month, every week. Now it's every, every day I get a new idea of, of content, you know? Mm-hmm. So I haven't found anything online about it yet. But I want to encompass, you know, every sport that I'm into into this blog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not a I'm not a pro. And there's some sports that I'm better at than others. But I wouldn't say that I'm great at any of them. I just enjoy them. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, I've learned a lot from other people. And I've learned a lot from content online. You know, just the two interviews that I watched of yours. Like, I learned a lot there, you know, mm-hmm. from, from both those guys. Um, so this would be like... You know, I don't know who it would necessarily cater to in terms of ability, but definitely to beginners because there's a lot of beginner stuff that I'm going to put in there just so like people didn't have to struggle as much as I did in order to figure out stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether it be in skimboarding or in snowboarding or, or whatever, but creating this online blog that encompasses snowboarding, water sports, and and skateboarding, like that's what I want my focus to be on. And it's going to be touching on each sport now granted like just creating a blog of one discipline is a lot mm-hmm. well i don't know how i'm going to do this but <laughs> well, that's what's next yeah that's that's, really that's what's yeah that's what's next and you know i'm i think that i'm gonna have to get help you know i'm gonna, i'm i'm thinking like i'll probably have to get contributors like a surf contributor or a snowboard mm-hmm. contributor you know to, to help me out with the content. But the whole point of the blog is not only to share experiences and share information, but just to show like how relatable the sports are. So, you know, how Eric Taylor is talking about like riding different ways will make you better. Mm-hmm. You know? Riding different breaks. Well, like being involved in different board sports just teaches you a lot. And at, yeah, an, old, true. at an older age, I'm, I'm learning that now, just how relatable they are. And yeah. I can, I can learn something on a mini ramp and then take it to the beach the next week on a skim board. And it's like, Oh, that's it. Oh, now it makes sense, you know? So, so that's like, that's the next thing for me, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for, for doing this. This was super fun. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot, man. I'm, all right. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, it was super good. Super good talking to you. Yeah, you too. We'll be in Thank touch. Thank you for this time. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk later. Have a good day. Yeah. Bye. And that was episode 48. I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. As soon as he launches his blog and website, we will be the first ones to let everybody know so that you can get a hold of him and get a hold of the things that he's doing. It seems like it's going to be kind of like an open source place for people to share articles. So, of course, our listeners would be the first ones to want to write an article. So we will keep everybody posted. And as always, we will see you next Monday with another new episode. Have a great week, guys.